You're listening to Trail Correspondence presented by The Trek, a media company dedicated to long-distance backpacking. Get even more at thetrek.co. Hello and welcome back to Trail Correspondence. I am your host, Moron, and today we're looking at another wildcard edition of the show. In case you don't know, wildcard episodes give our correspondents free reign to talk about whatever they'd like. I enjoy contributing my own two cents to these, but instead of going over more esoteric equitation, today I'd like to speak a bit more on topic. Just about a year ago in 2022, as I was making my way north with hopes of an extended AT yo-yo from Alabama to Canada, and then south from Canada to Key West, I'd gotten to a point in my life where I wanted to find where my actual limit was. At this point, I jumped off trail in favor of road walking, and so, in range of Maine, I hit the pavement and set my sights for Fort Kent at the Canadian border 240 miles away. I walked along lonely logging roads immersed in the worst bugs I'd ever experienced. I spent a month of my life walking through Maine in 2022, which was something I hadn't necessarily planned for and found myself doing very big days. Though many detest road walking, since my background was road cycling, I really enjoy it. You find things on the road you just don't in the woods. Money, cell phones, intriguing things of unknown origin, and beyond that, all the fitness you've acquired from trudging up and down mountains allows you to crush miles with relatively little effort. For example, my pace in the woods was three to three and a half miles an hour at best, and that was usually pretty inconsistent. But on the road, I could hold four miles an hour pretty much indefinitely. I had a 50-mile day that took 12 and a half hours, but only accumulated 2,500 feet of elevation. It was a dream come true. But as unseasonably hot and dry conditions crept in that summer, it was also the beginning of the end of my yo-yo aspirations. I loved the thru-hiking, human-powered travel lifestyle, and chased it for years before feeling the inevitable fatigue in all its myriad forms. I finally found my limit. One of the ways I like to frame all that I did in 2022 comes courtesy of one of my favorite creators, Dan Harmon. He put together this thing called a story circle. Basically, it's an eight-step process explaining what he termed the hero's journey. You start in a comfortable, familiar situation, but then you desire something. From there, you enter an unfamiliar situation. You then adapt to that situation. You get what you originally desired, but you pay a heavy price for it. Ultimately, you return to your familiar situation, having changed. I understand my journey as a narrative story, which is why audio recordings like this are so precious, both for the listener and the audience, which are sometimes the same person. I found that recording every day made me accountable to my yesterday and created a benchmark to pick up from each morning. Viewing one's journey through the lens of the story circle helps to narrativize what might otherwise be disparate actions suspended in disjointed points of time, which is why these unprompted and extemporaneous eyes in to each correspondent's place on trail are so great. They've historically been some of the most popular episodes throughout all seasons of Trail Correspondence. So, without further ado, let's see how our heroes are doing and what they most want us to know. Let's get into it. second pudding here also known off trail as abby <laughs> with an update from oregon um so today's episode is a wild card and i thought i would keep things simple with a little update on where i'm at and what's been going on in the last few weeks on trail um so me and my little trail fam wheels nacho and snackzilla and i 
made it to Oregon. <laughs> we crossed the border a few days ago and it was super duper exciting. We had spent the night before in a definitely haunted cabin, <laughs> just a half a mile from the border and the sign. Um, so because we were so close, we decided to spend a nice lazy morning at camp uh, trying to make pancakes on a camping stove. We'd packed out pancake mix, syrup. Um, we very much forgot to include any sort of butter or fat. Um, so everything stuck. Safe to say it did not work. A lot of sticking, even more burning. And then a huge subsequent cleanup meant that we eventually rolled out of camp at 10 a.m. Um, and then after the border celebration, had a little photo shoot. We actually managed to beat our own record for the least amount of miles hiked in a morning. Uh, we'd done three miles by 11.45. Astounding. Everyone should strive for our speed in the morning. It's it's truly incredible stuff. Um, but Oregon so far has been awesome. Um, despite the climbs that meet you on the first stretch right after the border, the rumours are true. Oregon is flat and Oregon is full of bugs. Even in the super early season, I mean, we're here a good month, really, earlier than a normal, typical PCT year. Uh, they are relentless. The bugs love me. I have the good, tasty blood, apparently, because I I knew this already. I've been bitten to hell, and I have been bitten again. I'm admiring them all right now, and I can't stop itching. Um, and I, it's, yeah, I don't know what to do about it. It's just my life now. I'm a bug queen. Um, <laughs> Oregon has been great. Like I say, I've fallen in love with Ashland. Um, we stayed the night a couple of nights ago and none of us wanted to leave at all. Um, so we're actually returning to Ashland in a few days for the 4th of July celebrations. Um, my little gang are very excited to give me, the uh, the token Brit, a very good first ever Independence Day experience. So we've got a place to stay booked and we're going to go all out big group of us are going to celebrate and it's going to be super fun. I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. I'm super excited. Um, trail wise, we've been increasing our mileage and having more sunlight and the longer days have meant that we've had even more hours for hiking. So typically we aren't getting to camp till after 8pm, um, which is still great. We still have good sunlight in camp. We get to have sunset dinners, which is fun. Um, and we're able to then take long meandering lunch breaks, lake hop, go swimming and just do what we do best, which is loiter. We love to loiter and take long breaks at any job, any opportunity. Um, Snackzilla loves a, we call a brekkie break. Um, so we've adopted that too. So we have first breakfast in camp and then we have second breakfast about four miles in. It's just a break. We eat the second breakfast. Um, it's no wonder we are not able to ever do 10 before 10. That is a concept that is completely wild to us now. <laughs> it doesn't happen, but that's that's fun. That's how we like to hike, we've discovered. Um, it's kind of crazy that we only have like 850 or so miles left to hike until Canada. Um, I mean, granted, we still have the Sierra to do, but we're something like 1,200 miles in and it's become so normal to just spend every day on trail um towns are fun but I do found find towns kind of stressful with chores and there's just so much to do and so much going on and I really find myself striving for the normality I mean it's mad that I get to call this my normality but the normality that being on trail um brings and that's 
yeah, something I'm really, really lucky to be able to do. And I'm very aware of, you know, the privilege and the how lucky I am to get to do that. Currently, I'm um, I'm actually off trial for a couple of days. I'm staying with a really incredible family um, just off the trial as I've got a little case of shin splints um, and I need a couple of days rest. It shouldn't be too serious and I'll reconvene with my gang again for the fourth. Um, but I miss them so much. I'm having withdrawal symptoms. Um, however, this bed is very comfy and I have two golden retrievers to keep me company called Goobler and Ozzy. So I'm a happy hiker. Everything is good in my world. Um, and yeah, I'm loving Oregon and I can't wait to see the rest of it. I'll uh, keep you updated and speak to you soon. Hello from Trail. This is Allie, aka TC aka Appalachian Adventurista. I am currently trekking um, through a, an early morning stroll uh, swarmed by mosquitoes um, and dripping in sweat from the heavy humidity. So I'm sure past through hikers will be able to understand that joy. <laughs> uh, today's wildcard episode, I wanted to kind of take the opportunity to expand on something Something that I sort of referenced in the social experiment episode, um, I talked about the fact that I had um, ended up hiking alone for a portion of the trail, which was entirely unexpected. And I just wanted to go into that a little bit deeper because some things popped up during that phase of my hike that have been recurring themes. Um, and I think it's important to talk about because as we all know clearly the Appalachian Trail is a very social trail and even if you're not directly in the bubble there's always people around. There are trail angels, there are shuttle drivers, there's other hikers, there are day hikers, through hikers, section hikers, flashers, myths, the whole the whole shebang. <laughs> um, and as great as that is um, what I have found out here is there's a very stark difference between um, kind of like a greeting and introduction and short clipped, hi, hello, how's your hike going, and a deeper understanding and connection that forms, or that can form, I should say, on trail. So when I ended up hiking alone, I was a, a solo hiker for about a month, and um, as I did before, I'll say alone very, very lightly because, like I just referenced, there's tons of people out here, and only a handful of nights was I truly camping alone at a shelter. Um, but what I found is that even that, um, even being, you know, around people and often arriving to camp and meeting new folks and saying, hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Um, finding the other through hikers to connect with. Um, there's a level of connection that is lost. And somehow through all of that and through having that same exact conversation every night with new people, um, I got very lonely. Um, the solitude out here 
really set in. And I, I think that that's attributed to a couple of things. I think that in part it's because I never expected to be solo. I walked out here with a hiking partner expecting to have at least one person by my side um, to chat with and connect with and share my woes and my joys. And that was taken away fairly early. And the fact that I was hiking solo and didn't have anything else to fall back on and nobody that I was hiking around was, you know, I was trying not to force uh, any sort of deep connection or trammely sort of attitude. Um, and uh, I didn't end up getting a new trammely for about a month. And I just think it's important to talk about the fact that this loneliness and isolation that I felt on trail is insanely common. Um, I've connected with several other through hikers since that have shared similar stories or um, tales from their own experiences out here that sort of mimic that same uh, that same pathway. And I think that talking about isolation on such a well-traveled trail is something that we need to speak more into because it really impacts hikes and I do think that that is probably why some people ultimately don't complete a through hike is that this sort of loneliness sets in and then if you can't shake it or um, if it persists too long I absolutely understand how that can take someone off trail. Uh, I think that I got lucky in the sense that I did find folks who I wanted to hike around. And I also took some time toward the end of my time being solo out here. I took some time to reanalyze why I was out here and what I really and truly needed from the hike. And I really questioned myself in my social needs during that time period. And um, it just coincidentally worked out that I was at the end, I was toward the end of my solo hiking period. But I really set myself up in that conversation with myself to continue on regardless. Um, and I definitely would encourage anyone who is considering coming out here to prepare yourself for the loneliness. Um, because even though you might not have a, an experience like mine, it tends to come for everyone at some point in time. Um, and it is one of the least things that I have heard discussed about the Appalachian Trail in terms of mental health and emotional well-being. So I'm feeling really strong as a hiker now because I had that chance to confront those issues within myself. But it's just something I wanted to share and elaborate on because it was such a formative period of my AT through hike thus far. All right. Sorry for a little bit of a long ramble there, but thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, and I'll chat with you next time. Hey, it's Minstrel. I'm here with a wild card for y'all. So... It was Father's Day. It was a couple Sundays ago, and I was hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. 
I was north of Sierra City, so I'm north of Truckee, and I'm still south of Quincy and Chester. So I'm, I'm in an area where a lot of people are skipping past. The beta that I got was that the snow was a lot more manageable, and that was fairly subjective. <laughs> um, so I had talked with my dad earlier that day. I found a spot with service and called him. He was a little concerned that I was hiking solo because there really weren't that many people in this area. But he knows that I'm good at making safe decisions. There came an area, a spot where I was hiking along a ridgeline because there was there was a lot less snow on the ridgeline. It was a lot easier to follow, and there was some rudimentary old trail along this. The official trail was to the side of the mountain where there was a lot of snow. It was slushy, it was hot, and the ridgeline was just safer. Plus, when you look at the map, you'll see that the trail hooked left and connected with the ridgeline. So it was easier for me to just follow this ridgeline, reconnect with the trail, and continue on. Well, at the end of the ridgeline, where it was to connect with the trail, there was just this snowy outcropping, almost like a cornice, but not quite. And there were two big steps about six feet down to get to this about 100, 150 foot snowy traverse to continue along the trail. This was not going to work for me that day. Um, I'm generally not a heights person. Plus this, I just could not trust the snow at that, that, at that moment. I went up this rock outcropping that was on my left to see if I could scout maybe a rock scramble to reconnect with the other side of the trail on the other side of this traverse. There was none. All I could do was scout where I could actually see the traverse. I went to the other side of the ridgeline to try and find a way on the other side of the mountain to see if there was a way around. There wasn't. I looked, I, I backtracked along the ridgeline, walked along the official trail, just to see if there was an easier connection. There wasn't. I looked along the map and scouted down the mountain a little bit to see if there was a way where I could just bypass it and then go back up the trail. And all of those routes either resulted in the exact same spot where I would have to step down onto this traverse, or it would result in an even steeper, worse ascent to get back onto the trail. I decided to set up camp on the ridgeline. There was a beautiful view of the Sierra Buttes to my south, and I was like, I was just gonna make the most of it. I was gonna take photos of the Milky Way over the Sierra Buttes. I was gonna then take, I was gonna give myself a nice pep talk in the morning and just remind myself how much of a badass I am. I, heck, I did Whitney. I can, I can tackle this traverse in the morning. And that's when it happened. Wind just absolutely grabbed my tent pole, snapped it in half, pulled my rain fly down over that tent pole, 
cutting like a two and a half by two and a half inch L shaped tear into the rain fly. And that was it. I melted down. That's that snuck up on me as my low. I just started throwing rocks and screaming the F bomb. I had a little bit of service up there. So I pulled up a, a, a bailout route on Gaia. I messaged my primary partner, Beth, and I packed up, started my way, making my way down. On the way down, I was really able to collect myself. It was beautiful. I saw some cougar prints and I saw deer. I saw frozen lakes. At the base of the trail, I was ready to cowboy camp in a trailhead bathroom, you know, through hiker rite of passage. And there was a lodge. I knocked on the lodge because the lights were on and there were people in there and they ended up giving me a place to stay for the night. And in, in repayment, I helped them cook and clean in the morning. And what I got from this is that if you make safe decisions, you will get out of there. And only if you get out of there can you turn that low into a high because the low will probably sneak up on you. And the other thing that I got out of this is that you're probably not alone in what you're going through. A few days later, I ran into a young lady that I had hiked with for a little bit and she saw the same thing. And she told me that when she got to that exact same spot, she sat down and cried for like 10 minutes. So if you see something and it sucks, you're probably not the only person who's just not doing it right now and not feeling it right now. So just keep your head, make your safe decisions because only then can you turn your lows into highs. This is Shootwater Fireball, Queen of the Salamanders, and I'm here with some lovely people. Uh, and we all visited a cult today, which is really fun. Um, I don't know how loudly I can say that, but <laughs> we're currently there. Um, if we want to go around and introduce ourselves and say a bit about our experiences. Sure thing. Uh, I'm Love Child, um, and it's been like a wild ride here. Um, didn't know what to expect at all, but doesn't have uh all the jazz i was hoping for it's just like a, a weird place in the woods with like a little bit underlying creepiness um <laughs> but that's about all you know um but yeah we're also here with some other people too yeah i'm scout um it's been interesting i did attend both the evening and morning spiritual meetings um i feel like the overall vibe with the people here is that they're a little tired it seems like there's a lot of work and not so much fun, but um, they're very, very kind, and they give us little welcome baskets, which is nice. Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm CBS. Um, you gonna say what that stands for? Uh, it stands for Consensual Butt Stuff. <laughs> there, there is a story. It didn't just pop out of the blue. Um, 
This place is interesting. Um, they have great food. They have a great sense of community between themselves. Um, it's a little creepy, and it's a male-driven society, mm. so I don't really dig that. But it's beautiful. One day I want to have a community of my own, and this definitely can set the foundation. People work really hard here. They don't really seem like they enjoy themselves enough, though. <laughs> are you, you going to be a cult leader? Is that your... A community leader. A community leader. <laughs> um, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, it's been interesting. Um, the highlight of my time personally was definitely looking for loner clothes because we all did laundry here. <laughs> and <clears throat> literally the only clothes that I could find <laughs> was an entirely denim outfit. <laughs> and uh, all I had against my naked skin was je tight jeans and um, a denim shirt. And so I role played as Denim Dan for all of today. And I just went around saying, I'm Denim Dan. It was really entertaining. You also could have been Disco Dan. Oh, fuck. Disco Dan. Yeah, that would have been a good time. Mm. Yeah. But time. yeah, the chafe was not out of this world. And the little cultiness was definitely interesting. Um, didn't attend the spiritual gatherings, uh, but the food was pretty good. Um, I consumed a lot of eggs this morning, which was really nice. Uh, not as good as the deviled eggs that I ate from the gas station the other day, but they were still okay. Um, but so far, yeah. Maybe a low of the time here was how they separated us into men and women. Ladies. Uh, men ladies. and ladies. <laughs> um, into different cabins, which I thought was not very cash money. Um, but it is what it is. And I got to be Denim Dan, and so that's all that matters at the end of the day. I think that's pretty much it. Does anyone else have anything lovely that they want to add? I just want to say we had a very good time in Harper's Ferry pre-gaming the 12 tribes. Um, <laughs> we went to the barn and I had two drinks and then he gave me a free blueberry bomb. Which wow. Was blueberry vodka and Red Bull. So if you're, if you're in Harper's Ferry, go to the barn. And then we also, with two minutes to spare, sprinted to a bar right across from where we were being picked up and took shots. Nice. Um, and then I also had an edible on the drive over. So, was, so the, the spiritual you gathering. That's why you had such a good time. Yeah. yeah right <laughs> the gathering was a vibe for me. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. She found. Before coming here. Jesus. And I'm just like, why am I not comfortable? Yeah. yeah. I was having a great yeah. time. You got to so. get jiggy with Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, Yeshua, not Jesus. Oh, yeah. damn. Yeah. Our yeah. bad. We'll say the wake and bake did help breakfast. <laughs> yeah. I was just able to chill the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. So God. my high is this, like, this porch that we're on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really I, don't, I don't know how it happened, but we, yesterday, we had two days in a row where we got to sit on a porch, which is mm -hmm. a rarity. Yeah. 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 Porches are so underrated. Until yeah. you're like mm -hmm. in the woods all the time, and Shut then you yeah. find porches. My, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. My low was the sermon this morning. I opened and it was about disciplining children. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to be disciplined. They had some good I, points, I want to be disciplined. But also, oh. it was just too <laughs> put into religion. Mm -hmm. Um, and just. My overall vibe of this place is really cool. Like, yeah. It, it, it really it has nice. the foundation to you be something join? great. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm say, though, the Yellow Deli and Vista mm. sandwiches. Dang. Um, so, like, t we gotta get up to they that gotta place. Bang it. Yeah, yeah, we gotta make it to Vermont. My, uh, <laughs> my personal low was waking up this morning and 
having an awful dream that they actually knew my identity because we all mm. lied about our identities, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a dream that they left a letter on my bed being like, we know your name is Abby and we're coming for you <laughs> and we're going to take you into this cult and never let you leave here again, which... Um, we haven't quite found a ride yet, so <laughs> stay tuned if I ever respond to this podcast again or if I'm just, like, in a sad cult for the rest of my life. Um, this might be the end of, of your trail. Yeah, this yeah. is it. This is my Katahdin. This cult yeah. is it for me. Anyways, bye! Uh, we hope you have a lovely day and go join a cult. is radio here uh, for my trail correspondence episode wildcard number two um, coming at you from a very very rainy shelter in central or south central Vermont Stratton Pond um, gorgeous gorgeous place uh, room for 16 people here and the pond is a really great place to take a dunk we did manage to swim a little bit today before the rain came around two o'clock and now it's about 5.30 p.m., uh, which feels like hiker midnight because it's so rainy and dark here, and I'm sure I won't be awake for too much longer. But I would thought I would do my episode today because there's nothing more AT-like than hanging out inside a shelter during the rain because you can't hike anymore because it's so muddy and gross. Uh, there's lots of thunderstorms and lightning, so probably not safe to hike. Normally a little bit of rain doesn't keep us from going too much. But, uh, yeah, today we're ha hanging out here. So, um, in honor of a rainy day, I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about some books that I really enjoyed while preparing to hike the AT. For those of you who are interested in learning more about thru-hiking or the AT more specifically, uh, there's nothing better on a rainy day than doing some reading with a really, really good book. So, here's a few of my favorite books that I read in preparation for my hike on the AT and ones that I plan to read again after I complete my hike just to kind of reflect and reminisce on the experiences that I had out here. So the first one is one that is well known. It is uh, AWOL on the AT on the Appalachian Trail by David Miller. Um, this book I found out about, I think from a Trek article, but it, it's by far my favorite book about the Appalachian Trail. Um, just the way that AWOL describes the trail and combines his memoir with you know, just kind of advice and thoughts on life um, really made a pretty big impact on me. And I've actually sent this book to quite a few friends who don't plan to hike the trail, but just really were looking for a good read. And I think this book is probably one of the best ways to kind of understand the trail, especially if you're someone who maybe has someone in your life that is hiking the trail and you don't really understand why they're doing it. This is probably one of the books that I would recommend to start off with. It just is, like I said, really well written tons of fun pictures. It also kind of documents a time before the AT was really popular on social media. Uh, so it was written in, I think 2000 or well, at least takes place in 2003 when AWOL did his hike and he's still very involved with the trail today, but the trail was just different in 2003 than it is now in a lot of ways. So definitely recommend that one. Um, the next one that I have enjoyed, I haven't read this book in its entirety in full honesty, but I have really enjoyed it is a book that I actually found in a hostel on the AT called Human Powered Poetry from the Appalachian Trail, A Thru-Hiker's Perspective. 
by Daniel Screech Zub, or Zube. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. He was a Nobo in 2017. This book has a ton of poems and even some haikus about uh, what it's like to experience it on the trail. And I, I think he might have written it as he was hiking. I'm not 100% sure. But it really just, as I was reading it, it was kind of uncanny how well it captured some of the maybe lesser-known parts of the trail, um, as he described, you going through the hills in Virginia, going through your last couple stretches in Tennessee. I really enjoyed it. So I read that at the quarter way in when I was hanging out there for lunch one day. Excellent hostel, by the way. And I plan to buy this book as soon as I get back from the trail because it's, it's something that I really enjoyed reading some sections of while I was going through um, just stopping by for lunch that day. The next one is, let me pull up my list here, um, is, of course, Appalachian Trials by Zach Davis. This is a classic. Uh, I, if you're not reading this book before you do a long trail or just before you're doing anything that's challenging mentally, uh, you're, mess, you're fooling yourself. This is a fantastic book. Uh, really enjoyed it, of course. I, don't, I won't talk too much more about it, but I just think some of the mental practices in this book are really, really important when it comes to setting out on any sort of big endeavor. And it also is funny. I think that's one thing people don't talk about. There's a lot of goofy sections and fun stories that he captures in that book that I really enjoyed that were definitely entertaining as well as informational. Um, The next one is one book that I actually recently purchased and have enjoyed some sections of uh, through my girlfriend. And this one is called... Let me just put my notes here. I want to get the title right. This one is called The Appalachian Trail, Backcountry Shelters, Lean-Tos, and Huts by Sarah Jones Decker. This one has been mentioned on Backpacker Radio, uh, and it's a fantastic book, just tons of great pictures and details about all the shelters on the AT. And what I really like about this book is it's great to buy for a loved one because they can visualize where you're staying every single night, and it's kind of a fun way for them to interact. It also has all the history of each of the shelters, and I'm looking forward to getting back from the trail and kind of walking through this book with my family and pointing out like, oh, this memory happened here. Like this was the place that I almost shit my pants. <laughs> uh, fun stories like that. Um, well, I think will really come to mind pretty easily just going through that book. So that's another book that I, I really have enjoyed and has helped with me on my hike and will continue to help with my hike moving forward. Um, the last one isn't AT, AT specific, but just Into the Wild by John Krakauer. I read this book when I was really young and enjoyed the movie as well. Um, there's been some updates and things that have changed kind of about the narrative of Chris McCandless, but I just think that this book is really a, a fantastic read and kind of an interesting, uh, Chris is an interesting symbol of kind of the, I think something that a lot of folks in my generation feel this kind of call back to nature or call to do something more in life than, than just have a job, just do a nine to five and, that book really resonated with me when I was reading it um, when I was a little bit younger. And I just think it's a really powerful book. The movie, I think, is good, too. It really work well together. I would recommend checking out both. But the book especially is, is really enjoyable, um, especially if you've got a plane ride or something like that. It's a pretty easy read, but it's very thought-provoking and, and very enjoyable. So that is it for my AT book recommendations. I hope for the readers out there you enjoyed that. Um, Like I said, there's nothing better on a rainy day than cozying up with a good book, and that's what I'm about to do, just cozying up on my phone as I enjoy the rain here at Stratton Pond Shelter. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Radio out.
This is Mary and this is assignment seven, wild card number two. So I've been off trail probably for about a month and a half and I've been using that time to eat, gain back some of my weight, repair some of the stuff that I need to fix. There's a hole on the bottom of my pack and on the front of my pack, there's also a rip on my pocket for my pants. I need to change something on my gaiters and also just change out some of my clothes and also maybe some of my gear. So I'm going to try the best that I can to quickly summarize my hike so far from the southern terminus to Tehachapi. The weather so far has been overall pretty good for me. Not too hot, not too cold, not saying that there wasn't a couple of hot days, but definitely not as hot as I've been in. There was also a few nights where it got really, really cold and I had to sleep with my filter. I made like this little blanket. It's about the size of a throw. It's with apex and on top of it, there's um, 0.66 taffeta on it. And the whole point of this is on nights where it's uh, freezing, you put it over your quilt. So that way, if there's any kind of condensation, it traps it on that layer versus it being in your down. And that thing saved my quilt so many nights. I think that is one thing I'm not gonna get rid of. It doesn't really weigh anything. And also too, I use that on my train rides to keep me warm and it's pretty darn good. So for the sections I've skipped, I've skipped San Jacinto and I skipped uh, Baden-Powell. For San Jacinto, we ended up doing an alternate once we were at Paradise Valley Cafe. So you do a 10 mile road walk and then you do a side trail. And from the side trail, you get a dirt road into Idlewild. This time around, we did five miles of road walking. It turns out there was a parallel side trail to the highway we did that we took that to this campsite and from the campsite you're going to want to cross the street and there's another campsite that has that side trail that trail doesn't exist anymore it got completely burnt and washed away and there was a lot of route finding and that's where I tore my pants and I think my backpack and so we did that, found the dirt road, and instead of doing the dirt road to Idlewild, we ended up doing a side trail. And from the side trail, it just turned into nothing, and we ended up on somebody's property. Had to get through some bobbed wire fence, which I know how to do. My partner didn't know how to do it, so I kind of watched him struggle for a bit because it was kind of funny. Sorry, but it was. So eventually I told him how to do it once he just wasn't doing it. And... Yeah, we ended up having to eventually take a hitch from this post office. And then, yeah, so it was kind of pointless in doing that. There's a story I'm leaving out for this story as well. From Idlewild, we just completely skipped San Jacinto just because of the snow. And I'm just going off of kind of what my hiking partner feels comfortable with. Because even though I might feel comfortable with it, I'm not going to put his life at risk for something he doesn't feel secure enough to do. So we skip it. We get back on trail at Black's, Black, I don't even know what it was called. It was just a place we can get a hitch into, so we took it. Everything was fine until we got to Whitewater. Uh, my hiking partner could not do the water crossings, so he told me to leave him, and I did. And so I kind of hiked a little bit with that other guy who was kind of with us, sort of. We didn't know what that guy was doing. He kept on saying he was going to do X amount of miles, and then he ended up kind of hiking and camping with us. Anyway, we end up meeting my hiking partner at Coon Creek Cabin. He was nice enough to bring some trail magic, which was soda and beer. Soda for me, beer for them. My hiking partner still kind of struggled with the water crossings and ended up doing the road walk or any other way in which he can skip the water crossings. 
And then somewhere along the way, my hiking partner had some sort of tooth issue. And so at this point, my hiking partner needed to be off trail for like five days. And that was just five days. I didn't want to not hike, especially when it was on my dollar. So I decided to hike without him. And it also seemed like at this point, he really wanted to interact with a lot of other hikers. And I think he wanted like a trail family. I mean... It was just kind of the things that weren't said and kind of were said at the same time. And I picked up on that. And so it's just like, this is probably an opportunity where it forces him to kind of interact with other people. And then also too, I kind of wanted to do my own thing. So I just took that opportunity and just went on my own. When I skipped from, I actually skipped from McDonald's to, I guess, Highway 2. There was a gal who was section hiking and she was at McDonald's and she's like, hey, I'm getting a ride to Wrightwood. Do you want a ride? And I had done 27 miles that day and it was really, really windy that day and I was just exhausted. So I was just like, sure. And so I got a ride with her. When I got to Wrightwood, I found out that it was supposed to snow in three days. So I decided, unfortunately, the day before it snowed to go ahead and just hike. And there was a few of us that were getting dropped off. So we get dropped off at Highway 2 weather's great then it wasn't until about like four we see like this crazy looking cloud and we end up eventually end up walking into it so we're in this cloud sometimes there's visibility sometimes there's hardly any visibility and it's cold and it's really windy so we finally get it to Ilsip saddle and that's where we camp and there's a ton of hikers there we were surprised at how many hikers were there there wasn't very many camping spaces and this one gal was nice enough to let me share her tent with her. And so it snowed throughout the night and it was kind of hard to actually get some sleep because clumps of snow from the tree that was above us kept flopping on us. And so the next morning, her and I actually both end up hiking together for the next three days and it was pretty rough kind of hiking through some fresh snow and slushy snow. My feet were wet for a good two days. But we ended up road walking for almost all of that section. We probably got on the last place you can get onto the trail before you having to like road walk 20 more miles. And it seemed that's where a lot of hikers were getting back on trail that were doing the road walk when it was snowing or had snowed. It kind of was off and on where it would snow and get windy and then stop and then pick back up. Her and I end up parting ways in Agua Dulce. And that's where I meet Yvonne. And Yvonne is a gal who also makes her own gear. So it was kind of cool to finally meet somebody who I've been messaging throughout like the last six months. From there to Tehachapi, I'm pretty much by myself and trying to do 25s a day. But on my last day, I just decided to hike whatever miles I have left, which was like 28 or 29 miles to um, Willow Springs. And that's about it. checking in from the Summit Creek Trail in South Central Alaska. Yes, I am still not on the BCT, much to my annoyance. Um, hopefully, if everything goes according to plan, I will be flying out in the next 24 to 48 hours and be getting on the trail immediately in Washington, which I am super excited about. And with all that, I really can't complain about being backpacking in Alaska. I mean, that's just a dream place to be. 
So for today's wild card, I'm going to talk about some of the differences between backpacking in Alaska and backpacking on some of the long trails around the world. So just for some background context, I grew up hiking in Alaska. Um, my mother has always been a big hiker and backpacker. And so even when she was pregnant with me, I was wandering around the wilds of Alaska and then camping and hiking when I was a kid. And then about pre-teens is when I stuck, started really backpacking. Um, up until now where I've never really stopped, it's always been a passion of mine. So some of the most obvious differences between backpacking in Alaska and long distance hiking pretty much anywhere else is just the length of accessible trail. Very few trails in Alaska reach 30 to 40 miles. Um, I know there's Pinnell, there's Resurrection Trail, which I'm right next to right now. There's Johnson's Pass, which is close by in Kusugi in the middle of the state. If you ever get the opportunity to come to Alaska, all of them are amazing trails. Kusugi will blow your mind in a way that it's just really hard to describe. But those trails are 30 to 40 miles and that's it uh, for anyone in Alaska who wants to do a longer trip than that. You have to get good at a whole community of skills and learn how to be off trail. I have learned how to pack raft, um, though I no longer am really into whitewater like I used to. I do some trips take out a pack raft, both for crossing major rivers and sometimes just covering large stretches of ground when water is an option, since there are no trails and I'm making it up as I go along a lot of times. Glacier travel, it's not uncommon um, to be crossing dead glaciers or live glaciers uh, in order to get from one section of trail to another. Uh, mountaineering, if you want to get up and over passes, maybe some mountaineering. Um, if you want to get out in winter, you need skiing skills. There's a huge amount of skill set that you need to build if you want to go on longer hikes or expand your season that you can be backcountry in Alaska, but it's just not necessary for a lot of long distance hiking elsewhere in the world. Um, not a judgment call. My uh, choice, the last several years has been primarily to do out of Alaska long distance hiking, but I also love the skill set I've had to build in order to get out and do really cool things around Alaska. Um, another thing that comes from the lack of long trails is community is very different here. I've definitely come across several sets of backpackers on this trail. I'm actually surprised how many people have been on this trail. When I last hiked it about a decade ago, it's very little known and did not come across anyone else out here. And I've actually come across four different groups now on this overnight trip. Um, so well, like you run into people out here, you're not going to be day after day after day running into the same people. Um, there's only so much trail to cover and, and run into people. And then your objectives are going to change and vary depending on if you stay just on the trail or if you extend it into another trip. So you really don't build the community that comes on a long distance hike. Even when I was hiking in Portugal and Spain, I built a much more like long distance trail style community where I knew I was gonna likely run into some of the same people day after day. 
and got to know them and really enjoyed my time with them. Pretty much everyone I've run into out here today, I simply will never see again. Um, probably really cool people, probably do really cool things with their lives, but it's just the nature of how the trails work up here, I'm very likely not going to run into them again. Another really interesting thing is the animals. Um, I mean, Alaska's just simply flipping wild. Uh, so on the PCT, you might run into a lot of wildlife, but you really have to approach it differently. Um, I'm here and I am definitely carrying bear spray. I want to go walk over and dig a cat hole, I take my bear spray with me. I want to go and walk over and see this, I take my bear spray with me. I also have a bear horn. Um, bears are a very real part of the landscape here that I definitely pay more attention to than when I'm down on the long trails where I've never really had an issue with bears. I've definitely seen bears both on the PGT and the AT. But you know, you yell at them and they run off. Um, I had a bear come crashing through my camp this morning. It definitely woke me up from a dead sleep, scared the shit out of me. Um, but he just kind of kept on going and ignored me, thankfully. But I have to be very, very bear aware up here. Um, I carried up a bear uh, safe container, an earth sack, and tied it to, well, a bush because there's you no know, trees. Tree lines way lower here. Um, and camped with it quite a ways from camp. I cooked, you know, a good hour before I got to camp. So I didn't have any cooking smells around my camp. Um, just very much more, not necessarily afraid of the bears. They don't particularly scare me up here, but I do respect them and understand that I need to modify my behavior in such a way that I am aware of them and can hopefully prevent an attack that neither bear or I want. Um, you don't want to scare bears. They don't react quite well when being scared. Um, I was just seeing a huge variety of wildlife here. I saw a ptarmigan yesterday with like eight or nine little chicks. They were absolutely adorable. I've seen some huge marmots. Um, saw some type of weasel. Um, tons and tons of birds. There's just a lot more variety I've seen up here. No caribou this time or sheep. Oh, I did see sheep while driving yesterday. Um, but they're really common to see up here too. I just I feel like the variety of wildlife has been a lot bigger on this trip than I would in the same mileage on the PCT. Definitely the same mileage as on uh, Portugal and Spain. Like I didn't see a whole lot of wild wildlife up there. It's a lot more urban hiking out there. Um, and just hiking in Alaska is just more remote, even though the trails are shorter. The reality of safely getting on and off trail in an emergency situation on the PCT, there's, you know, you may have 80 to 100 miles between resupplies, but there's pretty much always bailout points. There's ways you can figure out how to get off trail if you need to self-extract. When I was in Portugal, um, I did have a medical emergency that I needed to get off trail and go to the hospital for. But I was able to hike my way out and get out pretty easily and get on the bus system and go back to the city and go to the hospital. 
in Alaska, it is wild, wild, and you just need to be able to extract yourself the way you came in, because there's not going to be side trails, side roads, there's not going to be forestry roads you can get out on, um, or know how to be involved with search and rescue. Um, I have done search and rescue up on the Brooks Ranch when a friend was injured and was able to use a Garmin to call out support for us. Um, but yeah, things are just, like, I love long distance hiking. I love Alaska hiking. Um, they complement each other, but it's definitely like a very different world out here. Um, beautiful, I'm so happy to be here, but you gotta be a little bit more self-reliant. You learn a different skill set. The social scene is different. It's just different. I love it. Love both. Have a great day. This is Panther checking out. Hopefully I'll be able to check in soon from the PCT. Hello all, this is Panther for a quick update, checking in from Mazama, Washington, where I'm just about ready to hitch back up to the PCT at Hearts Pass and start heading south. I uh, just want to do the quick update since I had no idea what was going on like three days ago when I recorded the other episode. So yeah, back out here hiking, hope to have some more awesome updates for you soon. Thank you. Checking out from Mazama, Washington. Hello, hello, this is Summer, and today we have another wildcard episode, and I am just going to kind of talk about a little, I'm just going to do a little progress report on where I'm at, and um, yeah, I'm currently recording this on a beautiful little chunk of trail in northern Washington, um, just left Hearts Pass, um, after already winning it, going out and tagging the border, um, earlier today, so I'm about 65 miles in to my Sobo journey, um, the terminus was awesome, and that whole stretch of trail was so cool, and I just kind of wanted to talk about, um, yeah, how the flip is going, um, honestly, having, I took about a week and a half off trail after we got to Kennedy Meadows, and all celebrated and said our goodbyes and then took about a week and a half off trail, went back home and then headed back out and picked up some of my friends in Seattle and we all set out from Hearts Pass. And honestly, having that time off, um, as antsy as I was to get back out, I think it was so good for me. And I think for all of us, because, like, as soon as we started hiking again out from Hearts Pass, we were all just, like, so stoked to be out here, and, yeah, the trail's just been awesome, and meeting all of the new, like, true Soboers is really fun. They're all, like, fresh and excited, but I think really just the mindset shift, you know, like, kind of having a fresh start. It's just, I don't know, it's been really nice. And I think we're all just feeling really like strong and excited, which is like a great feeling. Um, I think some of us were getting 
a bit burnt out at the end of the desert definitely me included I mean was definitely still like super stoked on the trail and like loving it but just like a lot you know builds up over time the stress on your body so I think taking some time off and just kind of decompressing getting back out here now we're all just like so glad to be back um which I think is great and yeah I'm super happy with my decision I have heard this next section um heading south after Stahican is still pretty sketchy so I will definitely see some snow in my future. It's kind of crazy that there has like been no snow up for these first, um, you know, chunk of miles in northern Washington the end of June. But, you know, I'll take it. But I definitely will have some snow in my future still. We cannot escape it this year, but it still should be super beautiful. Um, But yeah, I'm just like so happy to be here and... The trail is awesome, and all the people I'm around right now are just super great, so I don't know. I don't really have anything super groundbreaking to talk about, Um, but I think that's okay. I'm just glad to be here and ready to keep hiking, but yeah. Alrighty, first episode as a snowbow um, (laughs) done, and uh, I will talk to you next time. Alrighty, this is Summer signing out. Hey there, everyone. This is David Ferrari, Trail name, Good Soup. Signing in from the Appalachian Trail, where I am doing well, and I'm also a day away from crossing the 1500 mile mark. So you get to accompany me as I hike up this hill in Connecticut, which is wild. I hiked to Connecticut from Georgia. And as of yesterday, I've completed two-thirds of my northbound hike. Which on one hand is, holy cow, that's amazing. I did that. And the other hand is, and I still get to hike for another, like, 700 miles or so. Like, I'm only two-thirds done which is like an exciting thing. Like I said, I still get to hike. Um, But that kind of brings me to what I wanted to talk about today, what I'm gonna ramble about, because there's no structure to this, buckle up, is coming to terms that your through hike is going to end. Um, And so what I want to say about that is you know, my through hike's going to end. Knock on wood. Let me find a tree here. That was easy. My through hike's going to end because as long as I don't get injured and there's no emergencies back home, I am going to finish this through hike at Katahdin, which is wild because, as I mentioned in my intro episode, I've never been backpacking before this trip. 
I did like maybe a dozen day hikes and one overnight backpacking trip. So like on my first backpacking trip, I've at the very least done 1,500 miles of the Appalachian Trail. Blows my mind. But with being this far out, what took me a little bit by surprise is how I'm already very cognizant of the fact that this hike is going to end relatively soon. Um, in the sense that I'm two-thirds done with the mileage and therefore less than two-thirds done or, or more than two-thirds done with the time it'll take because I was hiking 18, sorry, I was hiking eight to 10 miles a day at the beginning, and now I'm hiking 18 to 20 miles. So the things I kind of want to talk about are the shift in mindset from counting up your miles to counting down your miles, uh, how knowing the trail's going to end affects the mileage you hike daily, and other little thoughts that knowing this is going to come to an end has popped into my mind in the last week or so. So, first of all, I'd say this really started after I crossed the 1200 mile mark, because then I had less than a thousand miles to go, and apparently three digit numbers are easier to gronk in my head as I process counting them down. Because up to that point, I, like I assume many others, was counting up my miles. Like I do, I did my first hundred, and I was like, wow, I went from mostly theoretical knowledge of backpacking to applied knowledge, and I hiked a hundred miles. That's crazy. And then at the 200 mile mark, I was like, wow, a hundred was insane, and I just did twice that. That's even crazier. And then add it up, add it up, add it up, still moving forward. But now that there's, like I said, once it, once I had like less than a thousand, it suddenly became very real that like I'm in the back half, or I guess the back third as of now of this trip. Like the trip is now in my mind starting to end. And that's not a bad thing. And that's not a sad thing because the whole point of me coming out here was to finish it. So this is, this is an exciting thing. I know there are some people out here who realize that they, like for example, they were on pace to finish in July, and so now they're intentionally slowing down um, so that they won't finish until like September is what they said, because they didn't want to get off trail. Um, so I guess that kind of, let's, let's talk about like how this perspective changes your mileage, at least for me. And that's that I've realized uh, two things. One, I don't have to hit my maximum mileage a day to still finish in a timely manner. And two, I, I really don't want to slow down any more than what I'm doing. So like I said, I'm targeting 18 miles. And like earlier in this hike, I would have been like, oh, it's, it's 15 to the next site. Like it's, it's my options are either 15 or 
22, be like, uh, I'll do the 15, like, no need to kill myself, and now it's like, I can do the 22, that day's not gonna be fun, but, like, I want to do it, like, at least 18, and finish in a good time, because, um, as I'm preparing for the end here, I'm starting to realize that, I mean, I always knew this every day out here, is a day that I'm not making money, a day that I'm away from family, and a day I'm not getting on with the next part of my life. And that's not to say that I'm now rushing through the trail. Like, no, no, no. I'm sticking to 18 miles, not more, not less, based on what the trail provides for me for camping sites. But I'm starting to realize, like, I'm excited for the trail. I'm not excited for the trail to be done. I'm excited for what comes after the trail. And so in order to set myself up for that, it's a bit of like, well, you got to get this thing done to do the next thing. So what's the point I'm trying to make here? I told you it would be a ramble. Basically, I'm now realizing that like my mileage is important and needs to be actually considered. So I am sticking to 18 as close as I can and I'm trying not to zero or nero anymore if I can avoid it. So like yesterday I hiked nine miles into town, took a shower, washed my clothes at the laundromat, put three days, bought three days worth of food, charged my battery bank and my phone up, and then hiked another like six miles out so that I wouldn't get stuck in town. Because I'm realizing that those half days all add up to full days or even add up to another week. And I know it sounds hypocritical a bit, but like, I'm really not rushing to get the trail done. Well, no, I'm just gonna repeat the point. I'm not rushing to get the trail done, but I am excited for what comes after the trail. So I have to be mindful and kind to both parts of me, the one that's enjoying the trail and the one that needs to be in a good position for after the trail to find a job and all that other stuff. So that's what's on my mind right now. The excitement that's gonna end, the mindfulness of how do I make sure it'll end, just how weird it is that I still have to hike like as of today, a little over 700 miles. And I'm starting to wonder about what will I do after? Which I was worried would mean that I was done with the trail, but really I just think it means, I think it's an improvement for me of like, before I came on this hike, I was a little pessimistic of like, I'm gonna do this trail because what else really kind of matters? And now I'm like, I've got so much I can do. This trail has made me so confident 
and my ability to seek out challenging things, put in the effort and the energy and the time, and knock on wood again, accomplish them. So it's just a weird space to be in. And before I prattle along any longer, I'll, uh, I'll let this be the end of it. Thanks for listening. If you're a through hiker or a future through hiker, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd ask you to keep in mind uh, when you realized you were actually on track to succeed because it was a really, really fun moment for me. Hope everyone's doing well. This is Good Soup signing off from the Appalachian Trail. Bye-bye. Hey, podcast listeners. Uh, this is Witch Doctor Derek Whitteman here. And today I am actually off trail for the 4th of July. And for today's wildcard episode, we will be interrogating my girlfriend, Kristen Cooper, who uh, flew out here to visit me. All right, Miss Cooper, please state your full name for the record. Kristen Cooper. All right, now, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I swear. I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, please state your relationship to the one they call the witch doctor. The witch doctor is my boyfriend. We've been together almost two years now. All right. What's been the best part about me being gone for two and a half months? (laughs) The best part? Yes. I wouldn't say there's a best part, but I have found self-discipline in the gym again, which has been beneficial for me. All right. Uh, what's been the worst part about me being gone? Everything. You're gone. <laughs> You're not in my everyday, I would say. Um, but yeah, it'd be good to have you back. All right. That's an acceptable answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, next question. When am I allowed to do my next through hike? Never. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're doing this, but I don't want you leaving again. All right. Uh, Anticipating that answer, I wrote down the next question. Uh, What if you do the next through hike with me? See, I don't see myself as a through hiker. I'd be willing to do weekends with you, but I don't think I could do a full through hike. Yet. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what I can do. All right. Well, anticipating that answer... What if we got an RV and you drove and followed me along through for the through hike? Hmm. That'd be that'd be an interesting experience for sure. I mean, I would I could think about it. We could talk about it. Okay. I don't see it being crazy far that, out there. That is also an acceptable answer. Any, <laughs> anything other than no was an acceptable answer for that <laughs> question. Okay. Um uh what would it take you to allow the witch doctor to go on another through hike? Oof. I don't know. I would I would say if you go on another through hike, I would like to think about it later on in our future. Is it is it more Taylor Swift tickets? <laughs> no. <laughs> no more Taylor Swift tickets. Okay. Well, did you or did you not cry tears of joy when you were gifted tickets to Taylor Swift? I did. 
I definitely cried okay. when I got those tickets. Did you or did you not cry tears of joy today when you saw the witch doctor for the first time in 77 days? I did not. <laughs> I didn't. But I think it was more of the shock that I'm actually with you again for the first time in two and a half months. It didn't. I don't know. I was just in such mm. joy and happiness. I don't know. Would you say you're more in love with Taylor Swift or the witch doctor? The witch doctor. Oh. Not even a question. Okay. I mean, uh, T. Swift has my heart, though. <laughs> no, um, it's definitely you, baby. How are our babies doing? They're wild, as always, but they're doing good. Tell, tell the listeners about our babies. Okay, our, we have a golden retriever and a chocolate lab. One is named Bo and one is named Butters. Butters is our golden retriever. He's about a year old, and he is wild. And he does not listen to mom. He only listens to dad. So while the witch doctor's gone, of course, the house is chaotic. Because okay. he doesn't like to listen. Um... How many plants have you killed since I've been gone? <laughs> All of them. Oh, that's unf- Every single, including the cuddle cactus you got me. That's unfortunate. Yeah, you can't kill those, and apparently I did. It's so. impressive, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you most looking forward to upon my return? You being back in our everyday routine, getting you back in our life again. Would you like to pose a guess of what date you think I'll finish in Katahdin? I would like to say like mid-September. I don't want to give an exact date. Maybe the 15th through the 20th. Okay, that's fair. Uh, True or false, are you planning a surprise party for me when I return? And why aren't you? (laughs) Oh, you assuming I'm not? I'm Um, assuming you're not. You're assuming I'm not. See, I would like to, and I've thrown around the idea. It's just, it's hard to throw a surprise party when I don't know when you're going to be back. So, stay tuned. If only, there might be. If only I had a blog where I was, like, <laughs> posting updates. Every of, day. Every day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Keep out. One final question. Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, this is the Witch Doctor Esquire, uh, over and out. That's it for our second wildcard edition. There will be one more before this season reaches its final destination, so definitely look forward to that. Again, if you enjoy the show, please share and subscribe as you see fit. Feel free to leave us comments on the blog post related to this episode, rate and review on iTunes, or any other way you want to connect with us through the links in the show notes. Join us next time for the ninth episode of the show, which will discuss the physical adjustment our hikers have experienced on trail. For now, I am your host, Moron. Until next time, happy trails, y'all.